Grab your Bible and let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. We have been looking at prized possessions. And where this came from was our brother Monty Dash. He told me that people were trying to figure out what their prized possessions are in life. He said when you're going through what I'm going through, you can figure that out. And he figured it out real quick, like, that it was precious faith was what was all important and what was his prized possession. And thank God if everybody could get that figured out. And upon him saying that, and I looked up the word precious and seen that Simon Peter uses that word more than anybody else in the Bible, seven times. John the Revelator used it six times in describing heaven. And Simon Peter uses it seven times in describing what we have in Christian faith, in putting our faith and trust in Jesus. Now, we looked at the first week, we looked at precious faith. Last week, we looked at precious blood. Today, we're going to look at a precious stone. So go there with me, 1 Peter chapter number 2. Are you there? In verse 4, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed of men, but chosen of God and precious, you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Therefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, there the word is again, precious. And he that believes on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believes, Jesus is, here it is again, precious. Now I'll grant you, there are people today that Jesus is not precious. I heard Bill Maher being interviewed by Bill O'Reilly the other day. Jesus is not precious to that guy. And the reason why is he does not believe. Unto those of us that believe, Jesus is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a peculiar people. There it is. Gives me license to act like a fool or act crazy right there. Peculiar. You need to look the word up. It's peculium, and it means private possession. I'm God's private possession. I don't belong out here to the world. I belong to the Lord God. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Father, we ask and pray for your blessing and anointing upon this word today that will be preached, that will be heard, and God, this word that will be lived out. I am praying, God, that every person will be focused upon what's going on. We ask, Lord, that you would still every crying baby, help every person here, dear God, to be allowed to hear and to receive joyfully and gladly. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
I asked Dr. Moult before service began how many bones in the human body, and before he could answer, his wife Jessica said, 206. And Dr. Moult said, that must be right. She said it. I thought, wow, that's a wise man there. 206 bones within the human body, every bone somewhat different from the other. There are five bones within the church body. There is the funny bone, the person who never can really quite get serious about his walk with Jesus. There's the wishbone. The people go around, oh, I got my fingers crossed. I'm wishing it all, all works out. That's really not faith. It's really not. That's really not. There's the knuckle bone. Always knocking everything that's going on. Ah, the songs, they're too loud. They're too soft. They're too long. They're too slow. They're too fast. I've got to walk too far to get to church. It's always the people that jog that say that. I never have figured that one out. <laughs> then there is the backbone. And thank God for the backbone. And actually, there's a whole lot of different kind of bones that we could talk about within the body, but I am most thankful for the backbone. I'm least thankful for the jawbone. All talk and no action. All talk about how they would do it, and they never do anything. But thank God for the backbone. They figured it up recently in Orchardville Church in both branches. There are, get ready for it, there are, get ready for it, there are 377 volunteers. That's what makes this church go. 377. Somebody asked me years ago, what makes that church work? And I said, willing workers. And the person said to me, well, we got willing workers at our church, and it's not working out. <laughs> I can only speak for this church. Amen. Willing workers is what makes this thing go. And it's just as there are different types of bones within a person's body, just as there are different types of bones within the church body, there are different kinds of stones within the body as well and within the church. Listen to this. We find this throughout the Bible. There is as, as a stone that God is referred to as a rock of ages. He's referred to as the stone which the builders rejected. In Exodus, he is the smitten rock out of which the living water would flow. In Isaiah, he's a mighty rock in a weary land. Moses, as Wilford preached on a few months back, was put in the cleft of the rock. David said, the Lord, the Lord brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. I like that. And established my goings and put a new song in my heart, even praise unto my God. That's what being upon the rock Christ Jesus can do for us. Jesus is a living stone, chosen of God and precious. God didn't choose Michael to do this. God didn't choose Gabriel to do this. 
God didn't choose the cherubims to do this. God didn't choose the seraphims to do this. God chose his own dear, precious son to be the one to come to this earth and to be willing to die for the sins of humanity. And as a rock, we can either fall on that and be comforted and be helped, or if you wait till judgment to refuse him, that rock will fall on you and will crush you. He's a rock. He's a stone. Go with me to Psalms 118. Let's, let me show you the most misinterpreted Scripture ripped out of its context in the Bible. Psalms 118, roughly middle of your Bible. Verse 22, the stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in her eyes. Here is the misquoted verse. This is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. Sing it. We will rejoice, we will rejoice, and be glad in it, and be glad. You know why they're singing that song? Because everything went good at work that week. They're singing that song because the refrigerator's full. They're singing that song because their wife has treated them nice that week. Struck fire. <laughs> That's not what this verse is about. This is the day. Is about the day of the crucifixion. The day of the crucifixion. And the reason I know that is because you go on down and in verse 24 it says it's a day of rejoicing. In verse 25 it says it's a day of salvation. It's a day of prosperity. In verse 26, it's a day of blessing. Verse 27, it's a day of forgiveness. In verse 28, it's a day of praise and thanksgiving. That's what that verse is about. This is the day that God has made. It pleased God to bruise his son and the reason why. So I could get to go to heaven. That's the reason why. That's the reason why. It's marvelous in our eyes. Without that day, I would have went to hell. This is marvelous in our eyes. In 1 Peter chapter 2, what we've read, a good definition of the church is this, a spiritual house. That's what Simon Peter referred to it as, a spiritual house. Me and Kay a few months back got to go to Israel, and being there, we went to the northern section of Israel up to Caesarea Philippi. And there was where the Roman influence was, was heavy in there in what they believed and what they worshipped. And they got the, the uh, 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 area of Pan is one of the gods that they worshipped. And there was an area there, there was a deep chasm in a, in a cave to where they thought that the underworld could be able to be reached from there. And lo and behold, it was from that very place 
And man, it wasn't like they got in a Jeep and went there. They had to walk the whole way. Everywhere you go in Israel, I mean, it's uphill both ways. I'm telling you, it's tough. And Jesus marched the disciples to that point and then asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And some said that you are Elijah, and some said a prophet. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And, and Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You know, Jesus would tell Simon Peter, you are, and you got to catch this, because the whole reference here is between a little stone, a pebble, and a boulder. Jesus looked at Simon Peter and in the language said, you are a pebble. And then he said, I am a boulder. And Jesus said, upon this boulder, the church will be built. I am not resting upon anything else and anyone else other than the Lord Jesus Christ because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, we build upon Jesus, nobody else. I ain't building upon this church. I'm building upon Jesus. I'm not building my life upon a minister. I'm building upon Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, you are God's building. That's what it says. It's important how we build. Jesus is the cornerstone. Listen to the words of Charles Spurgeon. Not my words. Listen to the words of Charles Spurgeon here. The apostles are not the foundation. But we rest upon their testimony concerning Jesus and the resurrection. I like that. The apostles are not our foundation. But we rest upon their testimony of Jesus and the resurrection. Jesus tells Simon Peter that he will give him the keys to the kingdom. And what do you do with the key? You open, that's right. You either open up a door or you lock a door. And I see where this man in Acts chapter 2 opened up a door for every Jewish person to be born again. Simon Peter preached, and when he preached, 3,000 people, talk about a sermon, 3,000 people were born again. What kind of people were they? Jewish people from all over the world. Jewish people. He opened that door up and didn't even realize it. But what he did to Ananias and Sapphira, he locked that door. And he didn't even realize he was doing it. When he came in and, and you know, they could do with it. It was their money. They could do with it whatever they wanted. They sold the land. It was their property. It was their money. But here's what they did. We're going to make a big show. And we're going to tell Simon Peter and all the disciples that we gave all of our money. And when he said that, boom, he fell down dead. I bet the offering went up next Sunday rather dramatically and people were <laughs> truthful about what they were doing. And Simon Peter, I believe he was as shocked as anybody else that that happened. But then here comes his wife, Sapphira. She prances herself in and he said, hey... Did you give all the money? Oh, yeah, we've given it all. And he said, the people, the feet of the people that carried out your husband, they're going to carry you out, sister. And that's what happened. Boom, she fell over dead. So not only does he open up the way, there are doors that he realizes that he can close. And he did certainly on those two people. 
We see in Acts chapter 10, Simon Peter goes to Cornelius, that Italian, that spaghetti-eating man, and he went and preached salvation to him, and him and his whole family were born again. What's that? Unlocking the door to the Gentiles. What Jesus said about Simon Peter was exactly spot on. I'm giving you the keys, and what do you do with keys? You open and you close things. Now, I want to give you a real just a pointed view here, and I want you to get simple, simple can be. In the work of God, we are called stones, not bricks. Bricks all look the same. They're all the same. You go out here when you go get your kids after this service and you walk between these buildings and you see to where you go through the coffee shop and there's that, there's that stonework on either side. You cannot find two stones the same. They're all different. We are called stones in this deal. We are called stones in the building that God is putting together. Everybody different. Every preacher we got here is different. Thank God for that. I've been to churches before where every preacher is trying to be exactly like the pastor. And I'm telling you, it's creepy. It's creepy. Trying to say the exact same phrase and walk the same way and, and have their Bible the same way. It's creepy. God's called us all as individuals to be different. Thank God for it. Thank God. I don't want everybody to look like me. Good night. I don't want everybody to look like me. I mean, I'd like for some people to have some of the perseverance I got, but I don't want you to have the hair I got, the teeth I got, the body I've got, anything else I've got. I don't want you to have any of that. We're all to be different. We are not bricks. We are stones in this. Now, Simon Peter says this. We're to offer up spiritual sacrifice. Preacher, what's a spiritual sacrifice? Good question. Here's the answer. Psalms 51. The sacrifice of God or a broken spirit. If you're prideful, you need to kill that. If you're prideful, you need to kill that. It'll stop what God's wanting to do in your life. If you're prideful, you need to kill that. Psalms 107, the sacrifices of thanksgiving. That's when you're thankful to God even though nothing's in the fridge. It's when you're thankful to God and the job's not quite working out, but you offer up a praise of thanksgiving unto God even though it's not going exactly like you want it to go. Psalms 141, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Hallelujah. Concert night, Bob Pease was here from the Centralia branch. He's sitting right back there. He was the very first one, big mountain of a guy. And I mean, he had his hands raised up during that concert. And people say, preacher, where's all that hand raising even get started with? I know the answer. God started it. That's who started it. That's who started it. Carlin and Justine Loker, when they first started to come to church here, you know, we'd sing the songs, and I just, you know, I could see them, and you know, nothing wrong with Baptist. I mean, you don't, I, ne I never get on the, I never get on the bad side of the Baptist, and there's a reason why. There's more Baptists in the world than there are people, so I don't want them to gang up on me. 
But you, you could just tell they're just kind of looking, looking around. And, you know, then a few weeks later, it was you know, kind of like this. And, <laughs> and a few weeks after that or months later, it was kind of like this. And, and you know, now they're, they're just they're unashamed. I mean, unashamed. Why? Hey, it's not something we invented. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. It's something, I mean, you go to a baseball game and they people, you know, just go wild. But not in church. I'm stiff as taffy at church. But you ought to see me at the game. Yeah. Hebrews 13, let us offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. Let me tell you about praise. The praise team here. And over, over at Centralia Branch, they lead by example. They're here. I know this branch, they have their practice on Thursday nights. I mean, doesn't this sound good on Sunday morning? You get to come in and be a part of this. And it don't matter which praise team is singing. It's always good. It's always, I mean, it's just right on. And you know why that is? It don't just happen. There's some sacrifice. And then on this count, there's a sacrifice of time that goes into it. That's why God blesses it. You watch Billy Graham preach and you think, and people have told me this before. You know, his messages don't seem to be that hard. And I'm always like, well, are you, you're kind of nuts, aren't you? You think you could do what he's doing? People know what they're doing. Always make it look easy. That's why when I'm preaching, you're praying for me because you're thinking, man, is he going to get through this one or not? <laughs> the people that are good always make it look easy. And this praise team, they put in some time and sacrifice some time and thank God for that. Amen. You, I'm going to say this again, you are God's building. Mm-hmm. And we're not bricks. We're not blocks. We are individual stones that's in this building. I wrote this down the other night. As living stones, don't be casting stones. Continue this on. If you're casting stones in the here and now, you won't be casting crowns in the hereafter. Hebrews 13. One translation says, to do good and to give, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Tithe in the offering. God is well pleased. God is well pleased when we give of our 10%. God is well pleased with that. And I've said it a few weeks ago, I'll never understand that, how people can come to church and be a part of what, and be a part of this church, hear what's going on, see the preacher preach, be in a class, do all these different things, and never give your 10%. I don't get that gets real quiet when I talk like this. I don't get that. I'll guarantee you, you go into a restaurant and you order your Philip Mignon with ketchup (laughs) and put your chewing gum behind your ear and eat that and walk out and tell the cashier, hey, just, you know, tell the guy over there to pay for my tab. They're going to be calling the cops on you. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I don't like when a preacher preaches like this. All the givers do, though. 
<laughs> All right. We don't have to carry such a burden here. Everybody's going to give. It'd be easier. Wouldn't it, though? Wouldn't it, though? Praise God. Well, I've sucked the life out of the building. But <laughs> what do you do? 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know your body is the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. And within this temple, I want to be a stepping stone. I don't want to be casting stones. I want to be a stepping stone. I want somebody to be able to be helped and have an easier time with it because I went before and I, as a stepping stone, they can be helped. We're all individual stones in this great work that we call the church. Thank God for it. Let's all stand. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Dear God, the stone which the builders rejected... The stone which the Pharisees was willing to deride, willing to speak against him, willing to have him killed. The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the chief cornerstone. And every Jewish person knew what Jesus was talking about. Because in Herod's temple, a stone that the builders had rejected, they rolled that down the hill. And then the architect knew that was a mistake. We need that stone. And they had to retrieve it back again. The stone which the builders rejected is the, key, is the chief cornerstone needed in the building. Thank God. Thank God to be able to be built upon that cornerstone. Lord, if there's people here this morning that their life is not built upon that sure foundation of Jesus Christ, Lord, I throw out the challenge and your Holy Spirit is going to knock on their heart that they're going to be willing to receive that today. And Lord, as people that are already within the church, already part of your building, already are a stone within this, I'm praying, dear God, that what we would do as a believer would help be a stepping stone to someone else. In Jesus we're praying, amen.
our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677. Left up.